Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, on a Thursday afternoon, February 20th, 2020. Today is the start, the official start of, I guess you could say, the second half of the NBA season. Though it's not really the second half, because we've already passed the midway point in terms of in terms of games played. But I guess it's kind of like a landmark thing, you know, first games after the All-Star break, so it's technically the start of the second half though not really it's more of a symbolic thing so we're going to be talking about what to look forward to in this second half of the season I'm just going to keep calling it that because it's way easier in the second half of the NBA season what teams need to make the biggest jump like what teams need to make the biggest turnaround or need to prove it to us that they are for real some of the teams may surprise you and I'm going to explain why you'll see in just a little bit. Uh, college basketball this year has really struggled. Like it's been an, an awful year for college basketball in terms of rating and popularity. It's borderline in a, in a crisis scenario. And I'll explain why that is and why it's not a crisis. Okay, people are just running around on fire, screaming, it's really not that big of a deal. I think it's an isolated event. We'll get to that uh, later in the show. And then to close it out, uh, we got a pretty good quote of the week. So that'll be uh, tons of fun to close out the show. So let's get right into it without further ado. Tonight, Thursday night, is the official start of the second half of the season. Teams are going to be making a playoff push or perhaps... Uh, gonna start taking uh, some nights off, start resting, guys. Uh, get prepared for the NBA playoffs. If you know you're gonna make it, and potentially, you know, you can't get any better or worse in seeding. To quote LeBron James, uh, you're gonna see some potential uh, load management from teams who know that you know they're getting in, and they pro- probably can't catch the team in front of them, and the team behind them certainly isn't going to catch them. So. When you're facing the playoffs right before the beginning, and you know it's our it's February twentieth, you know we're getting already close to March. Calendar switches over to March, over to April. You start looking ahead of the playoffs, and you start asking yourselves what teams are for real, what teams aren't for real. Who should I invest in, long term, in terms of who can really win an NBA Finals championship? And there are contenders and pretenders, just like in every year in every sport. We are going to separate the two right here. Well, we're not really going to categorize contenders, pretenders. I think we've had that segment in the past before. That's not what this is. This is I'm going to list a few teams who I think kind of need to prove it. And one, a few of the teams are in more of a dire scenario than the others, obviously. But these are the teams that I'm looking at, and I'm not entirely sure what I'm getting from either of these teams. So here we go. Start it off. This is a team that's kind of in a crisis scenario. Philadelphia 76ers. I think this is, we're kind of getting to the point where it's no longer okay to give them a pass. Because in the years prior, we've said, well, they're, they were too young. Give them some time. Embiid's been hurt, and we've used that excuse for probably five or six years in a row now. Embiid, Embiid's been hurt. He's not 100%. He's not in shape, which kind of falls on him. Uh, the Sixers are young. Brett Brown is still figuring out how to coach the postseason. I mean, enough is enough. At what point do we stop giving the Philadelphia 76ers passes 
for failing. And even last year, they, their team was stacked. I mean, they had Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Obviously, they had Al Horford. Or no, excuse me, Al Horford is on the team this year. But they were loaded with talent. Arguably the most talented roster in the East last year. And they lose to what would have been uh, the eventual NBA champion. Sure, so it's not like they lost to some bums. But they surely have not proved themselves worthy of being just one game short of potentially making the NBA Finals this year. I mean, they've been lousy. They're a playoff team, but that's not saying much in the East. If you look at the bottom of that conference, and I'm saying the bottom of the top eight, the bottom of the playoff teams, you know, you have like two or three teams with losing records. So that's not saying much that they're a playoff team. Uh, And I'm just, I'm kind of fed up. Quite frankly, I'm kind of sick of the Philadelphia 76ers. Preseason, I picked them to go to the Finals. And they were a very popular finals pick uh, preseason. Now, I don't even know if people would have faith in them making the Eastern Conference Finals. The semifinals, they look just bad. And so they're going to make the playoffs for sure. But there are about three or four teams in the East that I would probably pick, uh, pick them to lose against pretty confidently. Obviously the Raptors, or excuse me, obviously the Bucks. clearly. Uh, the Raptors as well, though I think that one is a little bit closer. But I'd still probably give the nod to the Raptors. Um, yeah, they don't have Kawhi, obviously. And Philadelphia pushed them to seven games last year. But you could say, well, part of that was probably Jimmy Butler. So I'd give the nod to the Raptors. The Miami Heat are legit. I mean, they are no joke. They're, I mean, people, I feel like, are kind of not giving my, the Miami Heat enough credit, uh, as much credit as they deserve, because um, because they're so young. They are young. They have guys like Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, who, I mean, they're, they're just babies. I mean, they're, they're just entering the league, so I think people are not, kind of, are not really giving them the credit that they deserve, because it's more of a, well, prove it to me first before I give you credit. The Heat are legit, and I would absolutely pick them over uh, the Philadelphia 76ers in a seven-game series. They are a legitimate team. The Boston Celtics, I would probably give the nod to the Celtics, or not probably, I would definitely give the nod to the Celtics over the Sixers in a seven-game series heading into the postseason right now. I mean, the Celtics are another team that no one's really talking about. Everyone's focusing on Giannis and the Bucks as well they should. I mean, they're a great team, and Giannis is having a dominant season. But the Celtics are no joke either. I like the, the teams that no, one are, that no one's talking about, the Celtics and the Heat, are my two favorite teams in the East, quite honestly. I really like those two teams um, a lot. So for Philly, I think that they're, you know, they're in more of a crisis scenario than the next team we're going to talk about, but they really have to prove it. Before we get into the playoffs, don't tell me, well, we're, we're waiting until the postseason to hit our stride. You want to you start hitting your stride, turning the corner around March, April, and then once you're in the postseason, you're already at that peak. And then once they beat a few teams, they'll say, oh, you guys slipped on us. You gave us, you know, you didn't give us any respect. How are we supposed to give you any respect when you were lousy all year long? And it just, there's just doesn't seem like there's any chemistry on the court with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And he just said earlier um, today or earlier this week that uh, the media is trying to turn us against each other. We love playing with each other. It's not like we're trying to create this notion that you hate each other. What you show us on the court is that you guys don't like each other. And maybe you two are best friends off of the court, maybe. But on the court, that does not translate. There's no chemistry between those two players' games. 
and it's just they're it's just really awkward. It's just really awkward on the court, and it's led to Philadelphia really not having an identity. They don't know what they are. I don't know what they are. They need to figure that out in the ensuing weeks before they get into the postseason because if they don't, it's going to look really bad if they lose in the first round or even the second round. They made it to the conference finals last year. Anything less than that would be a step backwards. So they really need to figure things out. Now the second second team here, you're going to kind of roll your eyes. But I'm going to explain why. In In great depth why I chose this team. The Los Angeles Lakers need to prove things. Yes, they are the number one seed in the West. That is no small feat whatsoever. And I believe they're four or five games potentially over the Denver Nuggets. Like they have a comfortable but not a dominant lead on the first seed. But they are in the they are in first place and they have some some level of breathing room. Four or five games, that's not anything to sneeze at. Can they beat the Los Angeles Clippers? That is ultimately the biggest question that the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be facing uh, over the next two or three months and then into the postseason. Because despite Denver being number two, I think everyone feels right now the favorite to win the West in the postseason is probably the Los Angeles Clippers because they have Kawhi and they have the depth that can just overwhelm teams in the postseason. I think the Lakers are going to be a problem in the postseason because they're going to overwhelm teams with their size. And yes, on a night-to-night basis, you can outrun the Lakers, you can outshoot the Lakers, sure. But in over the course of a seven-game series, I think their size is really going to tire teams and overwhelm them. The Clippers can do the same with their depth. Kawhi is going to be fresh by games six and seven because he's not going to necessarily have to put in you know, 40 minutes a game. He has the scoring depth on the bench, similar to what he had in Toronto last year, but I think this is on a much greater scale, especially, yeah, Paul George as well. He'd had nowhere near the partner in crime uh, in Toronto that he does right now in Los Angeles. Pascal Siakam is a star. I don't know if I'm willing to say he's better than Paul George at this moment in time. He may end up passing him for all we know, but right now, Paul George is, is superior to Pascal Siakam. And when you look at what the Lakers have done over the course of the season, yes, they're the number one seed in the West. That's a huge accomplishment. I think it's a big deal that they're going to play every game, or excuse me, every series is going to be played through Staples Center. That is huge for them. But they have not beaten the Clippers. And forget about the seeding for just a second. I'm pretty sure everyone feels like it's going to be Lakers-Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Like, that is what this playoffs is going to come down to. Lakers-Clippers in the West. And yes, over the course of a seven-game series, that it's going to be must-watch TV to see what gives. Do the Clippers' depth win the series, or do the Lakers' bigs win that series because they're going to overwhelm teams with both of those assets i'm telling you the lakers over you know the course of a week the level of physicality that teams are going to have to play with anthony davis dwight howard javel mcgee lebron james lebron james not a center but he is physically imposing we all know that and the clippers they're just going to throw waves of scoring at you 
it's going to be so hard to make adjustments because you have to you have to be ready for three or four different lineups and they all can score and defend. And so going into the postseason, my biggest question is, will the Lakers be able to prove it? Will they be able to remove any doubt before the postseason starts? Again, because it once the postseason starts, sure, they can beat the Clippers. But that doesn't matter. You have to show us before. I mean, it does matter. Not that it doesn't matter if you beat them in the postseason. But what I'm trying to say is, can you remove those doubts before we get to that point? And that's the biggest question for me, for the Lakers right now, from me. Can you beat the Clippers? I believe they play the Clippers two, if not three more times of the course of the season. If they have a losing record against the Clippers, there's going to be a lot of doubts heading into the postseason. If they split the season series, I think that's good enough for me. I think that will kind of show me they can beat this team in the postseason. They can play with the Los Angeles Clippers. So that is those are the two teams that I think uh, are going to have the most questions heading into the playoffs. The Lakers can beat everybody. Can they beat the Clippers? The Sixers, can they beat anybody? Can they beat anyone? Those are the two teams that I think are really going to have to make, you know, they're going to have to silence a lot of questions over the next two and a half months. And finally, I'm going to give you two teams that I feel are somewhat sleepers or flying under the radar in both conferences. First team, I already kind of alluded to them in the East, the Miami Heat. I think the Miami Heat have a chance to win the East. I legitimately think they have a shot. They have a legitimate chance to win the East and get to the finals. They're nasty. They're, they're so today's NBA. Like They are the perfect team for today's NBA. They play ridiculous defense. I mean, unrelenting defense. Obviously, that's going to be the trademark of any team that has Jimmy Butler on the squad. But they shoot the hell out of the ball. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, if not in recent history. Obviously, you have the Golden State Warriors. No one's ever going to compete with that. But Miami, they can shoot the ball from anywhere on the court. And everyone on the court can contribute with three-point shooting. I really like Miami. I think they can propose a lot of matchup problems four teams because of their defensive prowess and because of their three-point shooting. They can cause a lot of problems in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think they could really uh, make some noise in the summer. And then in the Western Conference, the Houston Rockets. No, I know that sounds kind of strange. How are James Harden and Russell Westbrook sleeper picks? Think about it. Who are the teams that are mostly discussed in the Western Conference? It's the Lakers and the Clippers. And then right behind them are the Rockets somewhere. But people don't really take Houston seriously in terms of winning the West. If you have to run into James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and either one of them can give you 40, if not both of them, on any given night, no other team in the West has that combination of guards. And just think about what kind of matchup problems they could provide for someone like the Lakers, whose guards are horrendous. And conversely, the Lakers have these dominant bigs, and the Rockets have exactly zero big men. So it just depends on the matchups and you know how you know which team outplays the other one. But I think just that that tandem of guards, Harden, Westbrook, 
could really, really frustrate a whole lot of teams. And then it just depends, you know, can they repeat that over the course? Can they do that four times out of seven in a playoff series? And it's going to be hard, especially when they, if they play teams like the Clippers who can defend and they have, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven locked down defenders on that roster they can throw at you at any given moment. But you have two superstar guards. I really I like the Rockets. I was kind of down on them preseason. I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. But I don't think people are giving them enough credit. And this is coming from, you know, I love James Harden. I love watching him play basketball. And I just, you know, it just makes me sick to see people just not give him the respect that he deserves. He's one of the all-time scorers that we're ever going to see. And once he retires, once he's... He no longer plays. Then everyone's going to come around and say, man, we really took him for granted. No, you took him for granted. I want to make it known I appreciate James Harden. I want to see him win. I want to see him be successful and shut everyone up. I'm so tired of people saying James Harden doesn't play winning basketball. No, James Harden plays his game. And he's played in the era, throughout the era of the dynastic Golden State Warriors. No one has beat the Warriors. And don't tell me, oh, Kawhi beat him. Kawhi beat a shambled shell of a Golden State Warrior roster. Now, no disrespect to Kawhi Leonard, but he didn't face them at full strength. He just didn't. And I think we all believe if Golden State is fully healthy, that's a five-game series. Potentially six games, and the Warriors win that. Kevin Durant played one half in that series, and they beat the Raptors. That's all it took. He played one half in that series, and that was one of the, was that a six-game or a five-game series? One of the few games that they won, and Kevin Durant only needed to be present for the first half of that series or that game. So I don't think James Harden, or I don't think people are giving James Harden enough credit. Um, I just want to make it, I just want to document it right now. James Harden is a force of nature and an all-time player. And I think this is going to be one of his better opportunities to potentially win the West, get to the finals. I'm not saying, I'm not guaranteeing a a Houston Rockets NBA Finals appearance. But I just think him and Russell Westbrook are a tandem that, you know, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with for sure. So moving on, more basketball here for you now, Uh, but it's college basketball. It's no longer NBA. And I know you're kind of saying, man, this is, I don't really want to listen to this. College basketball is kind of boring. That's exactly the point. That's why we're here today. College basketball is atrocious this season. It is just the worst. It's all it's borderline unwatchable. And I love college basketball. I love college basketball, and it, it is borderline unwatchable at times. Unwatchable. It is it's it's a problem. And it's gotten to the point where the biggest names in the game, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, they're kind of chiming in on how poor this season has been. Not from their team standpoint, which both of them have been poor seasons, but from a nationwide spectrum. Like across the board, it's been, teams are suffering. Teams are suffering, suffering, ratings are suffering, and therefore the players are suffering. Here's why. I'm going to tell you why. Yes, we had Zion Williamson last year. We had John Moran. We had superstar names in the game last year. Taco Fall 
was a huge celebrity in college basketball. Say what you want. I mean, he wasn't as good as Zion or John Moran. That's not even almost what I'm trying to say. My point is there were stars and celebrities in the game last year. You had the storyline of Virginia um, over the course of March Madness. Could they you know, make the biggest turnaround in college basketball history going from the first ever team, the first ever number one seeded team to lose to a 16 seeded team, they then win the national championship in dramatic fashion. That was in the postseason. Over the course of the regular season, you had, I mean, maybe the biggest college basketball star we've ever seen. Maybe that we've ever seen Zion Williamson. Then you had John Morant. While he was playing at Murray State, he didn't have nearly as big of a stage as Zion Williamson. Was still making headlines. He was still a star in basketball. And then, okay, back to, last year was about Zion Williamson. The grand scheme was about Zion Williamson, that is for sure. The team was really good. He may not have even have been the best player on that team. You had R.J. Barrett, you had Cam Reddish, Tyus Jones, or excuse me, Trey Jones. Tyus Jones is the older brother. Trey Jones is currently at Duke. Um, that team was loaded with stars. That was probably the death star, the, big, the most popular team, and the most, the most picked team to win it all. That was the title favorite. It was a perfect storm last year. And what happens when you have a season as successful as last year's? You're going to have a hangover. It just happens. as human nature. You're going to take a step backwards. That's fine. You know, and who could ever replace the name value of Zion Williamson? Probably no one. We might not see someone with that kind of name value for decades. I mean, Zion Williamson was the most popular player Outside of the NBA, since like LeBron James. Will he be as great as LeBron James? I don't know. That remains to be seen. No one knows. But the popularity was there. He was the most popular player coming out of college or high school, whatever you want to call it, since LeBron James. We might not see that for a very long time. So there is going to be a step backwards. Okay, that's fine. And then we had the disaster, the mess to start the season courtesy of the NCAA. This is totally on them. The James Wiseman disaster. Remember that name? How quickly everyone's forgotten about James Wiseman, the number one recruit in the country. He played all of, what, two, three games this year? The NCAA alienated their biggest star. That's a mistake. That is, I mean, absolutely on the fault of the NCAA. Just period. That's on them. They have a hand in this awful season as well. And he says, to his credit, I have all the respect in the world for him for making this decision. You know what? I'm not serving your suspension and then allowing you to make literally millions of dollars off my name via TV ratings, via merchandise, via sponsors uh, in March Madness. Because, I mean, just watch March Madness this year and try to count on your hand, how many sponsors you see, whether it's the pregame show, the halftime show, uh, the postgame show, whatever it is, everything is sponsored. And so the more eyes that are watching that, the more money the NCAA is making. And again, bringing this whole thing around full circle, people want to see stars. So James Wiseman said, no, I'm not serving your suspension. I'm getting an agent. I'm looking forward to the NBA. I don't need you guys. You need me more than I need you. 
which is absolutely true. James Wiseman is going to be a lottery pick this year, and the NCAA is in a crisis scenario. That crippled this season as well. Another star in college basketball, Cole Anthony. He's been hurt majority of the year. Like, majority of the season, Cole Anthony, the other biggest star in the game, hasn't played. He's been hurt. That hurts the NCAA. He will probably be a lottery. He's going to be a lottery pick as well. And then on top of that, not only has he not played, when he has played, the team has been lousy. He has played for the lousy North Carolina Tar Heels, and I mean no disrespect to that program whatsoever. It is as storied as you can possibly get, and they are terrible. They're going to have their first losing record in decades. The first losing season in the career of Roy Williams. Let that sink in. That's what we're facing. An institution like North Carolina, they're going to have a losing record this year. A losing record. They're going to be below 500. That brings me to my next point. There is no dominant team in college basketball. The teams, all the teams across the board are lousy. They are bad. Just last night, just last night, I can't even make this up. Number six, Duke. The number six ranked team in the country lost by 20 points to an unranked NC State team. That was the sixth best team in the country. They lost by 20 to an unranked squad. And that insult to injury, that was Duke. Another blue blood institution in college basketball. They're the sixth best team in the nation and they just got pounded by an unranked team. There are no dominant teams in college basketball. There's no stars. There has to be a dominant team. Last year we had both. They just so happened to be the same squad. And usually that is the case. When you have the best player in college basketball, usually you're going to be amongst the best teams. And yes, we were due for a step backwards. That happens. That's going to happen when you have a year as captivating as last season was. There was going to be a hangover. But this year, there's just a perfect storm. of Everything that could have gone wrong this year for the NCAA has gone wrong. There is one dominant team in basketball. I lied to you. Number one in the nation, the Baylor Bears. They're 24-1 and and they're currently on a 23-game win streak. You can't name one player on that team. They're not exciting. If this was... Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, Carolina, this would be, we would have something to work with. Baylor, Baylor is by far the best team in the nation. Nobody cares. No one's going to tune in and watch to see Baylor. I'm sorry, they're just not. Everyone says they want to see parody and they want to see teams get upset. No, they don't. Let me tell you right now. People actually hate when the Patriots get upset. People actually hate when the Warriors get upset. People need stars. They need these dominant teams. I've said that for the longest time. Leagues are worse when there's no favorite. 
And that could not be any truer than college basketball this season. Any like Again, the number six team in the nation just got blown out of the gym. That's not exciting. That's not good for college basketball when literally anyone can win it. And that's kind of the draw of March Madness. Anyone can win 64 teams. That's not true. Yes, there are upsets and literally anyone can beat anyone. I don't think anyone can win the whole thing. I just don't. Think about it. Yes, upsets and, I mean, major upsets can happen at any given moment. Again, going back to Virginia, they were the first team in college basketball history. Or, excuse me, the first one seed in college basketball history to get bounced in the first round. Never happened before. We still all felt like it was going to come down to the Blue Blood programs. I don't think anyone really thought that UMBC was going to win the national title after that. And they didn't. They lost in the very next round to Kansas State. You need stars. You need big teams. The NCAA has neither this year. They got rid of James Wiseman. Cole Anthony's been hurt. Carolina sucks. They are terrible. Duke obviously is not very good at all. Probably got that number six ranking because they're Duke. And the best team in the country is Baylor. The Baylor Bears are 24 and 1. And they're a good team. They're 24 and 1 on a 23 game win streak. That is legit. I'm not saying they're not good or they're overrated. I'm saying nobody cares. Nobody cares about that Baylor is as dominant as they are. It doesn't move the needle, it doesn't sell tickets. Will people watch March Madness? Yes, because it is a festival. It is it is the big one of the biggest shows in sports on a year-to-year basis. How invested will they be? How captivated will they be? That remains to be seen. I guess you can expect upsets this year because anyone can beat anyone, but isn't that the draw of upsets? Is that you're not you're not expecting to see what's unfolding on your TV? Yeah, you're expecting upsets. But the best upsets are the ones you don't see coming. UMBC over Virginia. I think that same bracket had uh, Buffalo beating Arizona. That was DeAndre Ayton. That was a stunner. Those are the best upsets. Not the ones you see coming. Yeah, that, that team, 5-12, uh, and 12, that one's 12 seed's probably going to win that one. That's not exciting because you see that coming. You want to be surprised. So even the March Madness tournament is suffering because we're expecting to see something. We're expecting, you know, the outcome. We're expecting the upset, so that therefore makes it less exciting. And even if Kansas is number three in the nation right now, if they get upset in the second round, is that a stunner? Duke just got beat by 20 last night. We're kind of almost, we don't really expect these teams to be dominant. We don't truly expect teams to make it to the Final Four. Like this team has to be in the Final Four. They should be in the Final Four. They're that good. Not really. Because obviously anyone can beat it. It's not good. So it's been a perfect storm for college basketball this year. Now here's where I'm going to kind of put this thing in a whole bow and, and kind of you know brighten your day a little bit. This is an isolated event. This is an isolated season. Yeah, this one, is, this one stinks. It's just a bad year for college basketball. Here's kind of the plus side of the one and done. And I'm not in favor of one and done. I just want to make that very clear. Athletes should be allowed to go to the NBA right out of high school. Let me make that very clear. But 
the other side to that is you have a bad season. Well, the next season you're bringing in a whole new crop of recruits. And that's a double-edged sword. You could say, well, how good would it be if Zion Williamson played three or four years at Duke or even two years at Duke? Yeah, that's I'm not defending one and done whatsoever. But there's, I mean, I guess you can look at the bright side. Well, if you have a bad year of recruits and it's not exciting, well, we're getting a whole new batch next season. So next year will be better. And because this year was so bad, there's going to be a hunger, a craving for college basketball next year. Because how many people have really devoted their time, unless you're a diehard college basketball fan, and you'll watch no matter what, how many people have devoted their time to college basketball this season? Especially with the season that the NBA is having. Because a lot of teams can win it in the NBA, but it's not as many as you think. It's Right now, it's really the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks. Those are the favorites. It's only three teams. Right now in college basketball, you can give me a handful of teams, literally. How many fingers do you have? 10. And that's prob- there's probably more teams than that. There's probably about 12, 15, if not 20 teams who could realistically win the title this year because of how bad everyone is. That's not good. You want it on a short, a one-hand list, about five or less teams. That's what the NBA has right now. Realistically, it's the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks. Can those teams be upset? Sure. And that will be amazingly, uh, or that'd be amazing to see. That's a shocker. Not all top 20 teams can be upset in any given. That's too many teams. That's too many teams to follow and be interested in. Next year will be better. Because no one's really paying attention this year. And people will watch March Madness, but by then it's too late because it's the postseason. Everyone's going to watch. Duh, it's March Madness. But by next year, there will be a hunger because no one really felt satisfied this year. There will be a craving for college basketball next year. That's automatically going to lead to higher ratings. There will be better players next season. That will automatically lead to better ratings. And I'm sure teams uh, are going to return a lot of players. Because of how lousy teams are this year, a lot of players are going to come back because they're probably not going to get drafted as highly as they, sh- they think they should be. So teams are going to, there's going to be a higher quality of teams as well. So this is an isolated event. There's no need to panic. Yes, this season's a wash. There's nothing we can do about it. I'm sorry. But... Next year will be much better, I promise. Let's close it out real strong now with a quote of the week. Here we go. Every episode, or most every episode, sometimes I'm more lazy than other weeks, I'll be completely honest with you, but that is not one of, this is not one of those weeks. Most of the time, we close out the show with the best quote that I heard throughout the week. We put it at the end of the show, and we call it the quote of the week. It's a great title. I came up with it all by myself. Here we go. There were plenty of candidates this week, um, and you'll see why. I won't spoil it for you. Here we go. Quote, every single guy over there deserves a beating. That's Nick Markakis speaking on the Astros cheating and how they should be punished or addressed, I guess you could could say. Um, There were plenty of candidates this week. There were so many candidates for quote of the week before this very topic. Spring training is, has just gotten underway. We still haven't even played any spring training games. Guys are just reporting uh, to spring training, and that's why there's been so many candidates. That's why there's been so many guys talking about it because this is their first opportunity to speak to the media and give their thoughts on the cheating Astros um, 
I guess, punishment or, or lack thereof or their apologies that they gave or lack thereof. That was a big topic on the show last week. And then we have all these guys reporting for spring training and everyone is giving their two cents. And I, as they should, I'm not knocking that. But I chose this one because this is probably the most directly, I guess, vulgar. And that vulgar is not the right word, but at the end of, that's, you know, for lack of a better word. But this is the most direct. We've heard guys, and we're kind of suspecting, guys are going to, they're going to beat the Astros. They're going to throw at people's skulls. And is that, you know, yes, it's dangerous. I'm not condoning that or saying they should throw at their heads. But the Astros are going to get thrown at. They're going to get thrown at. I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen. And players have been responding because the MLB is responding to said players saying, if you do this, you're going to get suspended like you won't believe. And players are upset about that, as they should be, because Astros players were not suspended for their cheating scandal. So what you're doing is you're suspending players longer for retaliating to the cheaters than you did for the cheaters in the first place because they, they didn't get suspended. They were granted immunity. I don't think that's right. You're suspending the players who didn't cheat in defense of the players who did cheat. And no one has gone as far as Nick Markakis has. He directly says, guys over there deserve a beating. I mean, no one has actually gone that far other than Nick Markakis. So he wins the quote of the week crown uh, for February 20th. But he's not the only one. And Nick Markakis is maybe not a household name, but he's a all-star caliber player. He's a good player. Approaching 3,000 hits, as a matter of fact. I mean, he can, he can really swing the bat. And he might be the lowest level player to comment on the Astros. I mean, we've had stars. The stars of the game come out and directly address the Houston Astros. They're not beating around the bush. They are calling out players by name. Justin Turner of the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers. Obviously, the Dodgers are probably going to be the most um, vocal because they were the, you know, I hate to use the word victims, but they were the team that was cheated in the World Series. And as were, I think 29 teams were cheated by the Astros, but they are going to be the poster children, the poster players, because it was in the World Series. So you had Justin Turner, you had Cody Bellinger, Alex Wood, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, all the Dodgers were chiming in. But the biggest names and the most direct were Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner. And it's not just the Dodgers. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton are both directly calling out the Astros and Commissioner Rob Manfred for not taking away the World Series title. Players are upset, and it's not just them. It's not just Dodgers and Yankees. Because the Dodgers and the Yankees were both beaten by the Astros in the 2017 postseason. It's every team. Nick Markakis plays for the Braves. And you want to know something else? That wasn't even the end of it. That wasn't the extent of the players who are commenting on the Astros. The best player in all of baseball. Potentially the greatest to ever do it. Mike Trout. Who never says a word. Mike Trout says exactly nothing. He's the best player in baseball, period. Again, maybe the best player ever. He's in like maze territory. And yet he's not a household name. He's not like LeBron James, Tom Brady territory in terms of popularity. Because he never says a word. He never talks about anything. He's directly calling out the Astros. This is a problem. When you have the biggest players in the sport... 
directly calling out Astros players by name, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve. When they're calling out other players by name, the biggest stars, there's a problem. This isn't something you can just brush aside and just hope will pass. And I think that's Rob Manfred's thinking right now. He just wants everyone to forget about this. And there's a conspiracy that he released that horrendous playoff format to try and distract people. That did not work because you had guys coming in for spring training talking about this and that just brought that back to the forefront in the first place. So that foiled that scheme. Whether that was a conspiracy theory or not, whether it was true or not, we'll never know. It didn't work. If it was a conspiracy, if it was intentional by Rob Manfred, then he is, is a, he is dumber than we think he is because that plan didn't work out. It worked for maybe an hour and then people started coming in and commenting about this and then everyone forgot about the playoff format. Format. I don't like to do the second syllable and Fosse's playoff format. No, I don't, it's not how you speak English. Playoff format. And what most players are upset about is really not even, oh, you didn't suspend them. They should be suspended. No. When you listen to these players speak, they're not really talking about suspensions. They're talking about they should not be champions because they aren't champions. They didn't earn that World Series. And that's really what players are up in arms about. They did this and they got away with it. They did. Let's be honest. The Astros got away with it to their credit. They can go win a World Series this year. They play well enough. They're not even banned from the postseason now or the foreseeable future they can go win it again this year how bad would that make the league look the league already looks bad i mean you have one of the biggest cheating scandals in in decades definitely in my lifetime and you know in a long time and this isn't a league-wide event because i know everyone wants to say what about steroids steroids peds was a league-wide epidemic that's why you didn't have players coming forth and talking about it like they are now. Because if you're coming forward and talking about, hey, we need to get rid of guys who are on PEDs, you're probably talking about your own teammates. Even if you weren't talking about them directly, the point I'm trying to make is your teammates were probably on PEDs, so you're putting them at risk anyway. For players to put themselves out this far, to stick their necks out like this, this tells me this is not this is an isolated Houston Astros problem. And potentially, we'll see a Boston Red Sox problem as well because we still haven't seen uh, the commissioner's investigation on the on the Red Sox. So this is this is a problem that's only going to get bigger because we have the Red Sox coming up. If you think it's a, a mess right now with the Astros, we have another team on the way. So this is only going to get brought up again over the course of the entire season. The commissioner should have remove that World Series title. And that's what players are really complaining about. Yeah, they cheated. Sure. But then they got away with it. They get to keep their World Series rings. And to bring this whole thing full circle, this is why Nick Marqueca says everyone on there deserves a beating and they're going to get it. Teams are going to throw at the Houston Astros whether you like it or not. I don't care how much of a suspension you're going to threaten. Teams are going to throw at these guys. Because you didn't take matters into your own hands. The players will. The players police themselves. And you hear, you've heard words from Cody Bellinger and Aaron Judge like lost respect. Like the league has lost respect for those players. They don't feel sorry for them. All 29 teams are going to come after these guys. Because of the lack of punish, punishment from Rob Manfred. 
And I don't see him going back now. He's not going to. That would make him look even more foolish to go back and then say, oh, you know what? By the way, we're taking the title too. You should have done it right when you had the chance. And they're not going to do it to the Red Sox because that would be ridiculous as well. You took away the Red Sox World Series and not the Astros. That would make him look, I mean, worse than what he's already made himself. And it, this whole scenario has just gotten worse and worse. And it's going, it's going to continue to look worse over the course of the year because the Astros are going to travel. And again, I can't stress this enough. Teams are going to throw out them. Teams not in their division, not in their league. Everyone is coming after these guys. And I think it's hypocritical for Rob Manfred to say, well, we're not going to punish them, punish the Astros, but we'll punish you. If you try to throw at these guys, you're going to get the brunt of this. And I think players are willing to take that on the chin and say, okay, I'll take my 20-game suspension. Because that's probably what it's going to come down to. It's going to be really harsh suspension. I think players are willing to take that on to give these guys a fastball in the ribcage. And so, you know, this is something that is it's created by the Astros. Obviously, this fire and Rob Manfred just doused this with gasoline. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a really bad look for baseball. It's a bad look for Rob Manfred. It's a black eye on the season. And, you know, I don't, I, players are only going to add to it. They're going to take this amongst themselves. And can you blame them? When you feel like you were cheated out of, World, out of a World Series title... When you were cheated out of potentially a big contract because you were lit up by the Astros. When you were cheated out of a job. Maybe you're out of the league right now because you got lit up by the Houston Astros. Players are not happy. And it's, you know, it's going to get really, really bad over the course of the year. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. I really appreciate you guys stopping by and sticking around. If you're listening to this, I mean, you, you, know, you stuck it out to the end of the episode. So uh, I really appreciate you. For that, I'd really appreciate even more than that. If you're feeling really saucy, if you shared this podcast with your fan, your friends, your family, and your fans too. I don't know, you know, maybe you're Michael Jordan. I don't know. Share this with your fans. I'd really appreciate if you shared that with your um, billions of Twitter followers. Uh, and NBA is back tonight officially. Enjoy the games over the course of the week, and I will talk to you next Thursday.